0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, my name is Jeff Brown, and I'm the superintendent with Northwest Christian School, and I've been thrilled to be partnered with uh, Dr. Glenn Schultz for the last several years in a couple of different forms. We have uh, hosted the Kingdom Education Summits in Phoenix, Arizona, which has been just an amazing privilege, as well as uh, help Glenn produce his podcast, Kingdom Currents. I wanted to let you know that the night before last, Glenn was traveling and unfortunately experienced a stroke. And uh, the prognosis, as I understand it, is positive. He does have a a long road towards recovery. Uh, But we really wanted to invite our listening community to be praying for Glenn, Mm -hmm. to pray that his community... Uh, that his recovery, excuse me, would be quick and complete. And I've been joined today by Alex Overall, who yeah. uh, is the producer of the Kingdom Currents program, works very closely with Glenn, uh, as well as our campus pastor, Chris, Mr. G. Gardner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex, talk to us a little bit about uh, your
1: work with Glenn. Yeah, it's it's been wonderful working with Glenn. And uh, right now, I just want to provide some programming notes. Um, we're, we're going to be airing this last episode that we recorded with Dr. Glenn Schultz uh, as uh, and then we're going to be taking a brief hiatus for the foreseeable future on future episodes just uh, we, we ask that you would keep uh, Dr. Glenn Schultz and his family in your prayers and um, ask that you would pray for good health and peace and wisdom in this time. Amen. Amen.
2: Yeah.
0: Gee, would you do us a favor? Would you uh, yeah. mind praying for Glenn? Yeah, we'll pray for,
2: for, for him and his family. So let's, let's pray together. Father God, just um, thank you for uh, a man um, who has been faithful, a man who is, uh, has a, an amazing legacy uh, of, of education in his schools that he's been a part of starting, in his schools that have been part of running, um, in his family. Um, God, I just pray right now that you uh, uh, be with him uh, and, and is kind of cliche as it might sound. God, I know you hear it all the time, but you, you, you have time for us and space for just be with doctors, be with his health, be with his, um, recovery. And, uh, and God, I do thank you again for his message, uh, of you, his message of your kingdom. And, uh, that message has been going for a long, long time. And we just ask that would continue to go, um, be with, uh, his listeners as well as they will continue to, uh, lift him up in prayer, and not just his health, but again his work. And uh, we are thankful for kingdom culture and uh, kingdom education and kingdom all this kingdom work that he has done. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and none of that is about Glenn Schultz at all, but it's about you. And we thank you for again for a life that will continue um, through this stroke to uh, to prov- uh, promote and uh, um, point people to you. Um, just thank you, God. We need you. We love you. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. So, folks, let's. Uh, enjoy listening to this latest episode uh, of Doctor Glenn Schultz's Kingdom Currents podcast. And uh, over the course of these next several weeks, as as we do take uh, the hiatus that Alex mentioned, just continue to keep him and his family in your prayers. Yeah, thanks.
3: Glenn, whenever you're comfortable, you can start. This Glenn Schultz, and I welcome you to Kingdom Currents. Uh, today is going to be a unique podcast. We've got some people with me in a studio, and uh, this is going to be the first time ever that this has taken place, so stay tuned. Again, welcome to Kingdom Currents. Uh, It's been over a year since I started this podcast, and I started the podcast on the suggestion of Dr. Jeff Brown at Northwest Christian School in Phoenix. And then uh, Alex, uh, who is also on staff there at Northwest Christian, has been the producer uh, of my podcast. And uh, today, I'm actually in sunny Phoenix, where it's uh, only been over 110 for about 28 straight <laughs> days for highs. Sunny
0: sunny may be a little bit of an <laughs> understatement.
3: And uh, we, we just completed uh, our fifth kingdom uh Education Summit, the second of this year. So uh, we've now done our two summer summits, and one was hosted here at Northwest. And so while I was on campus, I said, let's record a podcast. Let's record a couple episodes. And I'd like to have Jeff in with me and Alex in with me, where we can talk about uh, the journey that we've had in Kingdom Education and uh, what has come about is Alex, If he's had to listen to every single one of my podcasts, and uh, I don't know if there's anybody well, out there listening that has done that.
0: Well, he's he was obliged. I opted in to listen, okay. so I get right. a little bit of extra credit there.
3: <laughs> so uh, I, I want to welcome you, Jeff, and welcome you, Alex, uh, to the podcast.
0: Thank you very much. Yeah.
3: So, Jeff, tell me a little bit of your connection with me through Kingdom Education, because we didn't meet personally until a few years ago. Well, so we,
0: it actually goes back even further than that. I, I came up through uh, education in the, the preparatory private school environment. So I was the headmaster at a, an area private school, uh, and I, I did that for for a, a pretty good number of years before God brought me to Northwest Christian School. And as I transitioned... Uh, from, from this other private, preparatory, secular environment into the environment of Northwest Christian, God used a couple of books to really um, direct my steps, to, to reorient my thinking. Uh, the one I'll mention is by David Platt. It's a book called Radical.
3: Oh, yes, I've read it. <laughs>
0: Great book, very challenging, and, and essentially David Platt asks the questions, what if the hard statements of Jesus are just essentially true? What would our lives look like if, if we lived our lives in this way? They'd be radical. And so that was a really good book. But the book that really got me um, thinking with regards to Christian education, kingdom education, was your book, Kingdom Education. And I came across it, I think, on an ACSI reading list initially, and yes. it was Providence that just allowed me. And I'm going to be frank here. I think there's a few books on that list, I've I've read over the years uh, that I'm glad I didn't start with. Let's just <laughs> put it that
3: way. <laughs> I, I and, think we've got all have that kind of list. Yeah,
0: mm. yeah. And so I I came across Kingdom Education, and what I loved about the book was that it helped me to understand two things. Number one, the fundamental um, biblical mandate that we have as believers when it comes to education, and and where that starts, where it comes from. In what it should look like in fruition based on the truths of God's word. The second thing that got me really excited as an educator was that it was a book that was written not uniquely to educators per se. Right. It was written to educators uh, writ large in terms of families. It was written not just to schools, but to families and to churches. And I thought, here's a book that I could put in front of teachers, I could put in front of parents, I could put this in front of pastors, and we'd all have a firmer understanding of what the education mandate looks like. So I got real excited about that book. Then uh, a mutual friend of ours uh, was helping us to put together a professional development day uh, here at the school a couple years later, and he said, you know, I've got some relationships I could invite out uh, a couple of guys to help you with, with this, and one of the guys he mentioned was you, Dr. Glenn Schultz. And I said, wow, I didn't realize that was an option. <laughs> so, yeah, if you can get him out here, let's do it. And so we actually met, uh, the first time we met was then, when yes, you came out to the right. school and, and you kind of presented uh, a day long, uh, which, as I understand now, you really had to to kind of pack it all in to make it happen The other guy that day was uh, Dr. Brian Smith.
3: Dr. Brian Smith. And we both are on the same worldview speaking team that uh, brings in Christian educators and pastors and board members. We're some nice venues. We've done it at the Reagan Library and World War II Museum. And we just give good worldview training. Yeah. And uh, so we've gotten to know each other. But then we did a couple one days like that. And I I remember that very well, being with your staff here for that for that day. And uh, in fact, that led me when I was trying to say, where could I hold a summit out on the west side of the country? Because we've not done any Kingdom Education events sort of past Texas. And uh, so I said, well, let me go out to Arizona. Let's go to Phoenix. Uh, I had gotten to know George Barna, who does so much work here at Arizona Christian University. Maybe they could host something. And it was interesting, both Arizona Christian and Grand Canyon uh, University, They neither one had space for what I was looking for, about 125 people. They had small space or huge space. And then someone recommended, why don't you ask Jeff Brown? So I asked you, and you said, hey, let's do it here. And uh, so (laughs) so we've done a couple here, and it's always a pleasure to be on campus. Uh, You know, from that initial... Uh, reading and and thinking about kingdom education and and you're correct i look at education total i don't look at just schooling yeah and uh i i really believe that kingdom education is more a parenting book than it is a christian education book Mm. because your first educators are your parents has your understanding of Kingdom Education changed over the years, or is it just sort of that's the foundation and you sort of build on it? I would, I would say not so. I think a better word than changed would be
0: matured. Because I think over time, I've been able to see a number of the educators I work with implement some of the ideas and, and principles in the classroom. And so as is, is my understanding of kingdom education has matured, it's grown from, from the theoretical to the application. Yes. You know, what does yeah. I get? You know, so now I've been at Northwest Christian for, this is going to be my 14th year. And so I began asking the question as I as I studied the book. And and really what I love about any good book is that it brings you back to the good book. And that is God's word. And so as I as I looked at the scriptures you pointed me to, as I looked at the different things that... That you point out in in the book i began to say okay what does this look like fully fleshed out in an elementary school classroom what does it look like in a middle school classroom uh you you know one of the things i'll give you kind of an example is in the first um summit or not some the first meeting that you did here on campus you made an offhand remark i think it was an offhand remark about uh, school websites and and it was kind of a humorous remark, except to everyone in the room, except for for me, because it was a <laughs> it directly applied to our school website. And so I realized then I I pulled in our web designer and said, "Quick, change this before Dr. Schultz sees it." <laughs>
3: now, I go out on Christian school websites to see what they're saying, yeah, uh, because we all say, "Oh, you know, we're." We're focused on God's word and things like this. But then when you go on the website, you don't find anything about that. Yep. You find all about academic excellence and mm. you know how, how many students go on to college and how many state championships they have. And I'm saying, wait a minute. We're saying we're Christ-centered, <laughs> <laughs> but there's nothing there about Christ. So now, Dr. Schultz, I would
0: proudly recommend that you go to www.ncsaz.org. <laughs> And you will be proud of what
3: <laughs> what you find there, <laughs> you know. And uh, you know, and, and that that I think is so true as I've grown in it and understood it because I've always just wanted that desire. I've said, God, tell me how we're supposed to educate kids. Yeah. Because I, I I've always had that desire and wanted to build that and 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 so, you know. It keeps growing and growing with me and that kind of thing. Now, you've also, this past summer, you did something with your staff and even parents related to kingdom education. Share a little bit of what you did there. So,
0: yeah, every year we, in an effort to really um, see the spiritual vision, or, you know, a better word would be momentum. You know, you end the school year with a certain amount of energy and, and excitement and and you've got all this pent up uh, momentum, and then suddenly you hit the summer, and it's like you hit the brakes, and, and all that energy dissipates. And and we wanted to establish something that would keep the momentum spinning throughout the summer. And so years ago we we came up with a we a program we were the Crusaders, and so we we came up with a program called Crusaders Charge Into Summer Reading, and we uh, we identify a book. That we want to and it might be a book that that an author has written or it could be uh, a book from within Scripture Uh, one summer we took the uh, students and the families through all four Gospels uh, Mm -hmm. one chapter per day and and we we put out videos and podcasts to complement what we're reading together as a community and and then we come up with our annual spiritual our student leaders uh, I put them together in a room. I give them lunch, and I say, "Okay, come up with our, you know, based on what you're hearing, based on what you're reading in this this kingdom, you know, focused effort, this Crusaders charge into summer reading. What do you think God is leading us to to really be attentive to this this year?" And these are students. These are students, mm-hmm. and I actually I, I i have such respect for this process that I pull myself out of the room. Mm. because I find that mm. I come in with opinions and predispositions and biases, and it never fails. These students hear from, I'm convinced, hear from God directly and, and help choose a scriptural theme, mm. and they also choose the, the spiritual focus for the okay. year. And so this summer, you know, there is so much confusion in culture. We are seeing the wheels come off in public schools in our area, and we've got a waiting list right now that is 700 students long. Oh, my gosh. And we've got students and families. And, and what we're finding is that with, with all of the fervor to get students into Christian schools, we're, we're kind of losing our focus on what does it mean to be a Christian school? What does it mean to—what does that partnership between home and school look like? So I wanted to go back to the basics this summer— and really established within the understanding of our families and our students and our teachers, why are we here? Why are we here? What are we doing? And so Kingdom Education was the perfect book. And I tell you what, it was one of the highest privileges of my educational career, which has been far too long (laughs) at this point. But one of the the most unique privileges I've ever enjoyed was to have you uh, with our school community walk through and we did this in the in the form of, of our school podcast Kingdom culture Conversations uh, you and our campus pastor unpacked different aspects of that book and over the course of seven weeks let our families our teachers our students through what is a kingdom education what are we what are we doing at home what are we doing at church what are we doing at school and I'm excited for the year because I think with that renewed focus in, in the students, the spiritual emphasis theme that they've chosen for this year is fix your focus. Wow. To bring it back to basics, to make sure that we're we're being you know, the the scripture they chose was Colossians three two, set your mind on heavenly things, fix your focus on those things, not on the earthly things that are that are all around us in culture.
3: And and I, I experience some result and fruit from that because a grandmother here Went through the summer reading and listened to it, and then came and registered and attended the summit. Oh, neat! So uh, it, it was something different. So if you're a Christian school leader out there listening, this is an idea, uh, and I'd love to help you with it. Uh, it was fun. We we recorded, you know, seven podcasts, uh, and we just introduced sort of each chapter or each section uh, as the parents were reading it and then they'd go through it and we'd highlight different points so they not only were reading they were getting my focus on it and and some discussion and it's another way of getting the message out that the home church and school has to be united Uh, also here in the studio is alex alex He has had to listen to every one of my podcasts because (laughs) he is the one who's been tasked with the job of taking what I do in the raw and putting it together and producing it and putting it up online to the different uh, podcast uh, uh, platforms that are out there uh, because we are uh, on all of them, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's Apple or, uh, I guess, iHeart or whatever Mm -hmm. they are, you can find it, and uh, Alex, as you've listened to everything and seen things, what are some thoughts that you've had? Because we've never had opportunity to sit down and talk and say, hey, what do you think about these podcasts? Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: I'd like to first preface with the fact that my worldview and understanding of Christian education was flipped on its head when I first started listening to you. And I concluded pretty quickly after the first few episodes of producing for it that I felt robbed of a biblical Christian education mm. <laughs> in my uh, being in a public government school. Uh, that is no fault of my parents, actually, because my parents did a great job. Um, my dad, in fact, would often constantly bug me about what what is the worldview of this movie. What, what are you watching? What, what does this mean? And that's why he loved showing us movies with heroes and, and stories with heroes and villains and good and evil. And so that's no fault of my parents, but, but I always see the public government secularized education now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think about how America was, was um, taught to me. The history of America is more of a blemish than it is anything but in, in many ways. Um, and so that brings up one of my first questions I had for you is uh, this, and it's, I have been told that the United States was a Christian nation, by others that it is a Christian nation, and by more that it was never a Christian nation. Uh, what's the truth,
3: in short, and does it even matter? Well, I, I, I think history does matter. <laughs> That's number one. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, uh, in Scripture, one of the most important words in Scripture that God uses is "remember." Yeah. You you, whenever people forgot God's works, they went astray mm. because they forgot the history. Mm. A- and our history was grounded on Christianity. Yeah. Now, were we ever a Christian nation, I wouldn't call us a Christian nation. We, we didn't have a theocracy. Mm. You know, we didn't have God uh, as king. Uh, and that's what people always think about. Yeah. But there is no question that, that our founding fathers were entrenched in a biblical belief system. Even those who may have been deists and things like this, they had a solid understanding of Scripture, and so when they saw where where God was, you know, the the judge, the king, you know, and, and the lawgiver, yeah, all of a sudden we've got three branches of government: the judicial, yeah, the executive, <laughs> and 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 the Congress, the lawmakers, and so Christianity influenced the founding of our government we i don't think we were founded as a christian country and what happened the culture of the country was pretty much homogeneous christian yeah and and so that there's that tendency to say oh we were we're the modern day israel no i i don't agree with that yeah but I just I'm still reading it because it's so fascinating. Uh, our pilgrim fathers hmm. and and it traces them back into Britain, how they how they were really persecuted for their for their religious beliefs. And they fled to the Netherlands and, and had to leave their wives and children. They couldn't get on the boat and they had to go there because they had a religious freedom. And they dreamed of, is there a place we could go and have true freedom? And so they came in over here. And they ended up on, in Plymouth. And so, so I, I think that's the case. Now, what has happened – well, let's just, let's just take our legal system. Mm-hmm. Blackstone was one of the law books that every judge and lawyer studied. And Blackstone based law on the Ten Commandments. <laughs> so, so that was our standard. There, there was absolute standards when it came to law. As we became secularized as a society, then we can't have God as a supreme being. You can't have his word as the absolute foundation. So now law has become a matter of who's in power. Mm. And so the Christian influence is still there to some degree. We still see it. But it's much different from what it was. So I would say we were a country that was founded on Christian principles, biblical principles, Mm -hmm. and we were very much influenced by Christianity. Now we are very much a secular society, and government and everything else is quite secular, and therefore there is very little (laughs) – influence on Christianity in our everyday life and that's why we have such things as people bragging about abortion ha- ha- having abortion showers when, when they do this you know I, I mean the the sanctity of human life is gone and that's why we we don't believe well we believe that whatever you feel, you are yeah so if you feel like a dog, Will bark in class. Hmm. You know, I actually heard someone say that a school board approved litter boxes in a school (laughs) where students who were saying that they were cats could use that in their bathrooms. I mean, you say, that doesn't make sense. Well, to one who has a biblical worldview and understanding of absolute truth, it doesn't make sense. But when that's gone, oh, we're in a mess. Right. So so the idea of oh we were never Christian, that's not really true either because we were so Christian influenced that I mean Supreme Court rulings, if you go back and read them, they said the Bible is our standard Mm. for law and therefore we must hold that true as we make this ruling. So Bible was foundational. Uh, Benjamin Rush was one of the most prolific writers of our founding fathers. He made an interesting prediction. He said, and this is not word for word, but he basically said, if we remove the Bible from the classroom, we will spend so much more money on, preventing, on, on punishing crime than preventing it. Now think about that. Think of how many people we have incarcerated that we have to spend money on punishing rather than just preventing it because why? Because we've removed the standard of moral behavior out. Wow. Other thoughts that you have? Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: thank you for, for answering that so distinctly. Um, my, my other thought always comes up to this, and I, I always like to play or try to play, uh, for lack of a better term, the devil's advocate when it comes to, um, what I'm hearing, because I grew up in a secularized education as a Christian, and I think it was a natural tendency for me to constantly push back against what I'm hearing. Um, I think that's how I how I worked in my in my life. Uh, didn't always make me popular, <laughs> right? Oh <laughs> but, yeah. But um, one thought I have when I hear about Christian education, when I hear about private education, I my my heart pushes back immediately in the thought that. Uh, I put my shoes into a family of people who can't afford it. And so I I formed this question in that way. Uh, Let's say I'm a parent who says, my family can't afford any kind of homeschooling or tuition for private school, private Christian education. We're firmly stuck in government secularized education. How would you recommend practically on a daily basis we parent our children on biblical worldview principles when they're influenced eight to 12 hours a day, five days a week by a secularized worldview that increasingly hates God and his followers? Well,
3: you know, you may not like my answer. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and I realize that there are some that are in that category. Yeah. Uh, but but the reality is the vast majority of Christians they they can afford what they want most. Mm. Uh, we we do uh, because we uh, we we may not we may not want to give up some comforts to do this, and, and I've seen people. I, I saw one single mother. She worked three jobs to keep her two girls in our Christian school in Lynchburg, and, and I mean. If she could do it, just about anybody could do it. Now they had very little, you know, and and I've been over in other countries, where where that's that's their only thing they will spend money on, because they know this this is the only hope they have for true success if they know Christ and know truth, and but but here's the problem that has happened we have moved so far away from biblical lifestyle stewardship that now we don't think we can afford things. Mm. And, and would God tell us to do something and not have provision to do it? Mm. Let's just take the tithe, and I'll give you one little example that God showed me once. Our church in Nashville was a large church. We would probably be upper class It It was where a lot of the uh, country uh, music people would go to church. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oak Ridge Boys went to our church. Uh, Our pastor did both June and um, June Carter Cash and Johnny Cash's funerals. They they were members, even though they didn't come much. So we were doing, you know, uh, Stewardship Month. If you know anything about that, every message is on giving. for a whole month. And the pastor got up one time because an article was in, in the paper there outside of Nashville, and, and it gave the median household incomes of all the counties. And And for our county, it was $54,000 a year. That was the median household income. And so the pastor got up and he says, my message is going to be short. He said, you may have seen it in the paper. Here what it is. For this county... The median household income is $54,000 a year. He said, I've gone to our church records. Our active members, not not the people on the roll, but the active households that are members in our church equated to 3,000. So we had 3,000 households, active members in our church, where every household median income was $54,000. We were pushing to approve a budget of five and a half million dollars to do everything we were going to be doing. And this church did a lot, a lot of missions, a lot of community outreach, five and a half million dollars. He said, let's say that we're below the median. We're only at $50,000 a household. Well, right away, my math said, if they only tithe, our budget would be $15 million. And it only takes five and a half million to do all we're doing. We'd have nine and a half million dollars to educate our kids. Now, that is pretty much standard across churches. So you only got a church of 100. They still probably only have 20% tithing. But if we just followed God's tithe, we would have the resources. So, but, but how do you get that? Because now we're in debt. <laughs> so, so I'm saying we have to go and find ways to make it affordable. Uh, yes, a lot of tuition tax credits are coming in. That's helping a lot of Christians be able to afford it uh, under, on, in different states. I've worked with them. But, but I've also seen some, some unique ways. I, I saw one small church... Hispanic church where the church they were meeting in had a Christian school. And the pastor got up one Sunday and he said, are there any families who would like to put their kids in the Christian school at this, our host church? And there were four and he made a commitment to them. He said, if you tithe, we will pay your tuition until we run out of money. At the end of the year, they had a thousand dollars more in the bank than they did at the beginning, and those four kids had gone to Christian schools, and he expanded it the next year. And and so again, we've got a and, and and sometimes we have we have put we have put price and cost on things that are simply traditional and not even biblical and it's costing more than what we really need to cost because we could cut some things out. Yeah. And I I know that's not a simple answer. No, that's but not. but that's that's the reality of it. If how do we get back to biblical lifestyle stewardship and we could afford it? Yeah.
1: So I'm hearing that it it's a lot of a lot of this is on parents and families choosing what they value for their children. That
3: that is a lot of
1: it. Uh, yes. And what do you say to parents and teachers who don't value private and homeschool education, who see it as a way that leads to, and I've heard this before, I don't believe this, but I've heard this, that private education or homeschooled education leads to kids who are uh, socially strange or sheltered, I'm putting that in air quotes, or different, what is your response to those fears and what is your response to people who use that as an excuse to avoid putting
3: their kids in yeah. a biblical
1: world well, of education?
3: Uh, you know what? They may be different. Yeah? <laughs> you know, because they're going to have a different lifestyle because they're going to think different. They they may think biblically. Mm-hmm. So they may be different. Socialization? Uh, yeah, Jeff, And Jeff, you you. Join in any time because you're well, in the trenches too. But
0: yeah, I you know I I see when Christian education, when Kingdom education is done right, it's done in an outward facing direction because that's one of the things we have to recognize as Christian educators is when Jesus launched the Great Commission, he didn't say, "Okay, the first thing we got to do is we got to found all these Christian schools." That was the inevitable result of what he did say. He said, "Go." Go into all the world, and the most effective way to do that has been through Christian education. And I can point to our school in particular, we are deeply invested and involved in some of the, the poorest schools, public school districts here in the state. We've seen uh, students that just traveled to Rwanda to serve in a Christian school there, Costa Rica to serve, uh, Mexico. And, and really, within our community, our students are very outward-facing. Last week, I was with a group of students uh, at St. Mary's Food Bank. And what, when Christian education is done right, it's not insular. It's not, let's put these kids in a bubble and let's protect them and batten down the hatches. It's not that at all. What it does is it does what exactly what, what Jesus said in Matthew 28, go into all the world. And when you do that, your kids are not sheltered. As a matter of fact, you can't do it without some level of risk, without putting them in harm's way. And and that's one of the, the calculuses that we have to make as a, as a school. Are we willing, are we able, are we uh, willing to put our kids in, in places where they're going to be formative environments? And I'll tell you, there was one time we were in... Haiti, uh, a little village called Haute Faye. And I remember uh, very clearly when we were handing out water uh, purifiers, and our kids were stunned to discover that the number of water, fire, water purifiers we had didn't meet the needs of this community. Haute Faye, they had a single well, and the well had been polluted with cholera. And so these kids came to understand the desperate need of this community, and we we saw basically a little mini water riot break Mm -hmm. out in this community because there was so much energy and excitement people that wanted these water purifiers with desperation and so we drove the kids into the next community and we sat down we debriefed it and these kids were forever changed by what they had seen that day in this small haitian village and so when you take a look at the the students for example uh, that are coming out of out of Northwest Christian a school that is fully focused on what I call missions learning These kids are not insular. They're not protected. They've seen the world They've been formed to understand that they are not biological cosmological accidents they are they are God's plan a for being the difference makers in culture and in the world and and I understand that there are some environments where, where it's insular, where, where they, they do a far better job of protecting and sheltering the kids than we do. But I just don't think that's our mandate. Hmm. I, think, I hmm. think it's the exact opposite. Go. Well,
3: I, I would put it this way, Alex. Yeah. Scripture does say we should protect our kids. Mm-hmm. Children are formative, and you've got to go and protect them from lies. Mm. how much scripture does it say stay away from false teachers Mm. all the time yes so we have to protect them but the goal of protection that's the key the goal of protection should never be sheltering Mm. it should be preparation which i've heard you say before yes yes and and it's true because and and number one you can't shelter a kid from the world today. No. no. So, so that's impossible. Well said. They, they, they're going to get it, but, but we shouldn't just shelter them. See, we should be preparing them to be culture changers for Christ. The salt and light concept, salt and light is being in spiritual warfare because you're going against all the lies that this world is throwing at you and confronting it with truth. Well, a five-year-old can't do that. But So we protect them from those lies while we prepare them so when they get to a certain age, they can go and say, wait a minute, that's a lie because here's truth. And, and so it, if they come out where they can't do that, then we've sheltered and we haven't prepared. Uh, you've probably heard it on other podcasts. I use the term fit for battle, yeah. <laughs> that these kids need to be fit for battle. And, and I've used, my wife and I, we use numbers where they numbered the children of Israel. And in 11 of the tri- 12 tribes, they numbered their men 20 years of age and older who were fit for battle. Now, does that mean that when they turned 20, they were automatically fit? No, I'm convinced. They were prepared <laughs> and, and God was saying, hey, by the time they're 20, you better have them ready. Now, now, they weren't just going out and fighting physical countries. Those countries represented pagan ideologies and they were having to go out and fight against that. So by the time our kids were 20, we wanted to make sure that they were able to be salt and light, that they saw it in us, that we had protected them from those false philosophies. When they're real young, as they got older, we we started teaching them why these are false and what's true and how to take a stand against that so they're ready to go out and fight. So, so this idea that some people are different, they may be different because mm-hmm. they think differently. Mm-hmm. Will they be socialized? Yes. I mean, some of these homeschool co-ops. I mean, they have they have to. A mom's got to deal with six kids sometimes. You know, <laughs> they're, they're they're social beings. I've been I was around one family. They had thirteen kids and they were homeschooling. Those kids were the. They were mature. Yeah. They were responsible and accountable. Yeah. Now now. It sure did make some of these kids who were spoiled and never held to accountability look bad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but but I wouldn't say that they were sheltered and 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 they were strange. Mm-hmm. In in today's world, they may have been strange. Yeah. So so I think that's that's a little bit of what I what I think we've got to break that mold and 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 it's a misconception. It's really a myth. Really, I, I would say I'm, you know my years of experience,
0: it, it, I. Would say that I could point to the fact that every educational environment, whether it's a private parochial school, whether it's a, a public school, whether it's a charter school, home school, what have you, is that you see this developmentally, you see this broad spectrum of socialization mm-hmm. and you see kids that occupy that. And that's because it gets back to Imago day. You know, God has created us providentially in his image and we occupy a very um, diverse we represent a big God in unique facets, and we, we, we sit upon different places within this socialization spectrum. In terms of frequency or the density of certain levels of socialization, I don't think you can point to any substantial difference. I have yet to see the study that says, for example... Uh, despite the uh, the stereotype of a homeschool student uh-huh. being a little quirky, uh-huh. I, I don't see that. I I see the same spectrum represented in, in terms of socialization in, independent of the environment that I'm in. I see them both. I see highly socialized kids for whom socialization, too much socialization <laughs> is a problem. And then I see some that are under socialized. But I see that independent of the environment in, in all forums.
3: Well, I think there was a, a podcast that I, I sort of addressed a little bit of this uh, back a while, this whole idea of adolescence. Mm. It, it's only been since about the 1940s that that there was a social group called adolescence. You were either a child or an adult. Mm. That's what you find in Scripture. Yeah. And, and by the time a Jewish child is 13 or 14, they're considered an adult and they even know their calling yeah and and, but what has happened one one person said what led to this whole grouping called adolescence and youth culture was high school mandatory Uh, because it what it separated them from the adult world put them all together and, and all of a sudden it became, this a time when you sow your wild oats and you have fun and, and you don't take on accountability right. and responsibility and all this other stuff. And and then that's grown where now there's emerging adults who are up in their 20s and they still don't want to be adults. Mm-hmm. I, I had a granddaughter a little while ago tell, tell my wife, say, well, Nini, I'm adulting today. You know, and was, I hate that term. Yeah, yes, you know, I, but but, sorry. but but that's the whole concept. They're yeah. saying, "Oh, I'm not ready for it." Yeah. Well, so you're a teenager? No, no, don't call me a teenager. Yeah. So, so see, uh, you know, I, I would say those who are shown, "Hey, you're gifted by God. You have accountability. You have responsibility," and they assume them, they are more social mm-hmm. than those who are just put into this group. We put we had to put um, uniforms into our high school mm-hmm. after I got to Sherwood. and they had passed the guidelines. We were going to go to all uniforms, but here's what they did. They decided to do elementary one year, middle school another year, and high school the second year. So these high school kids were building up all their arguments okay? <laughs> and, and and when it was getting close, uh, you know, parents were complaining and everything, and a group of high school students came in and they, they sat down with me and they said, Dr. Schultz, we, we want to talk to you about uniforms. Do you realize you're destroying individuality?" And I said, "Really? Well, explain that." So they said, "Well, well, we we dress as part of our individual personalities, and and you're destroying it, making us into just just cattle." Mm-hmm. And it was getting ready to, for the bell to ring, mm-hmm. and. Uh, So I said, would you students come out with me? And we stood in the hallway where the high school classes were and the bell rang and everybody comes out. And I said, now, I want you to look in this hallway and I want you to identify anybody who is different and individual in their dress. And they looked at me and they said, well, you're the only one that's different because I had a shirt and a tie on. Mm -hmm. They were all in uniform. Mm. (laughs) They were all in uniform the youth uniform. Hmm. So it wasn't individuality. But, but, but see, those are the things you've gotta teach kids. Thank you for
1: letting me poke. I realize I poked a bear when I have a (laughs) private private school superintendent and a biblical education scholar in the room. And I say, doesn't that make quirky kids? (laughs) So I appreciate you both answering that question with grace. Well, listen,
3: you know, Alex, again, I want to thank you for helping keep this podcast going. It's been a pleasure. And uh, Jeff, for, for sowing the seed and saying, hey, you've got to start a podcast and here's what we'll call it and things like this. And uh, I also want my listeners to know this school does a podcast, and what's it called? Tell us. It's called Kingdom Culture Conversations. I've heard of that podcast. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think Alex probably has to do something with it. He sure does. He sure does. And we have every Monday. We have a conversation that has to do with biblical worldview and something in the culture. And we started this podcast right around the return to school from COVID closures. And what we discovered is we we were mandated to close the school in March. And we did, but the kids that we sent away in March were not the same kids that came back in August. They Mm -hmm. had changed. During, if you remember that summer, the summer of 2020, there were so many things that happened culturally. (laughs) And we recognized as these kids came back to the classroom that we needed to get around the front of that. And so we we brought in experts, including uh, you. You came in, you've come in a few times, Mm -hmm. and, and helped us to address the cultural issues, the questions that kids were asking.
3: And uh, it's been fun. So you know, now don't stop listening to Kingdom Currents, but uh, <laughs> add <laughs> Kingdom Com- Conversa- Kingdom Culture Conversations. Culture conversations. You can find that out there on all the podcast
0: things. And I would say this, Glenn. I would say that if you have if you have the opportunity to listen to one one podcast per day. It's not Kingdom Culture Conversations.
3: <laughs> it's Kingdom Currents. Well, I, I've just been on it a couple times, and we've hit some pretty heavy issues, and, yeah. and we've done it with with lightheartedness at times, but really bringing in serious truth. So I do encourage you to, to tune into both of these uh, 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 podcasts, because uh, we're just trying to get... A message out to help parents, to help church leaders, to help Christian educators, to, to know how to educate uh, children biblically. So until the next time, may God bless you as you follow God's plan for educating future generations.